Well, it's good to be with you this morning, and today's message is titled Deep Trust. Deep Trust, and our key text is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19 from the Living Bible. So if you're suffering according to God's will, keep on doing what is right, and trust yourself to the God who made you, for He will never fail you. Now this verse is found at the end of a chapter that speaks about suffering for being a Christian. In verses 12 and 13 of that same chapter, we read the following. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you are going through, as if something strange was happening to you. Instead, be very glad For these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to all the world. Now this verse is an incredible confirmation of the famous verse that we know about in James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4. This is what that verse says. Consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I don't know many people who consider it great joy when they experience trials. You know, we live in a pain avoidance culture. We live in a culture of self-preservation. So it's very easy for the enemy to lie to us and to tell us to despise trials. And for the enemy to tell us to do whatever is possible to avoid suffering. And because of this, there are people who will leave a job or leave a marriage, or leave a calling when things get tough. But the Bible tells us, as God's children, how to respond to trials and sufferings. We need to consider them pure joy, and to see them as opportunities to develop perseverance, and to walk in faith, and to become mature. And our key text for the day provides us with very sound counsel on how to handle trials. Let's read it again, 1 Peter 4 verse 19. So if you are suffering according to God's will, keep on doing what is right and trust yourself to the God who made you, for He will never fail you. We need to keep on doing what is right. If you are facing a trial today, I urge you to seek the righteous path and to walk in that. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't give yourself over to sin. Secondly, we are encouraged to trust ourselves to the Lord who made us because He will never fail us. I love the picture of the potter and the clay that we read about in Isaiah 64, verse 8. It says this, it says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. 
We are all the work of your hands. This for me is an incredible picture of a life of trust. He's the potter. We're the clay. We are in safe hands. You know, entrusting ourselves to God who has made us means that we believe that in the same way that he created us fearfully and wonderfully in our mother's womb, that in the same way he will continue to take careful care, detailed care of us all the days of our lives. You know, I shared this verse about God being the potter and we being the clay the other day, about a few months ago, with a, a lady, one of our congregation members, and she was really trusting for breakthrough in her life. And this past week, she emailed me a beautiful testimony of how the scripture had entered her heart and had helped her. She had made it a prayer. Lord, you are the potter, I'm the clay. I will place my trust in you. And just the other day, she uh, received a new job. And in the email, she just mentioned to me how the job was a blessing in so many ways. About five or six points of how the job was a tremendous answer to the breakthrough that she had been trusting for. Now, as the Lord was stirring this message on deep trust in my heart, I felt him lead me to the story of Moses and the Israelites in the book of Exodus because we can learn quite a lot from them about handling trials. So I have three points to share with you today. And the first point is about deep trust in the face of injustice. You turn with me to Exodus chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 11 and 12. And you might want to keep your Bibles open in Exodus as we return to it throughout the message. Exodus 2 verse 11 to 12. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. Now I'm sure you can agree with me that injustice is a terrible thing. When we hear stories of oppression, they jar at our humanity. Sometimes we just watch the news or read the news and, and our spirits get jarred when we read about injustice. Now the Hebrews had become slaves in Egypt and uh, they were being oppressed. They were forced into hard labor and this labor was unrelenting day after day after day, year after year. Can you imagine the fear that they must have lived with? If they resisted, they would be killed. And can you imagine the anger that was boiling up within them? You know, Moses hated the injustice. In Hebrews 11 verse 24 to 25, we read the following. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Yet here in Exodus chapter 2, we see Moses taking matters into his own hands. In his anger at the injustice and the oppression of his people, he commits murder. There's no prayer to God. There's no seeking of counsel. There's no gaining of wisdom. Moses 
takes the matter into his own hands. And the consequences are very serious. Is anyone here facing an unjust situation? A couple of hands. Friend, keep on doing good. And keep on trusting the Lord who made you. You see, the Bible tells us that our spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When we respond to injustice from the flesh, we end up fighting and contending and wanting to put ourselves first. And we may end up doing or saying something that we could regret for the rest of our lives. But when we respond to injustice in the Spirit, well, then we rest in the Lord's love for us. Then we seek His will, and then we wait for Him to deliver us. This is how we fight our battles as believers. This is how we fight our battles. Just this week, a member uh, spoke to me, and he told me how he had just been unfairly dismissed. Unfairly dismissed. Very, very unfair. What he told me about had happened. And I spoke to two parents this week, two different parents, two different kids, two different schools, and they told me about how their children have been persecuted because of their faith in their school. Those are injustices, an unfair dismissal, having your child being persecuted. It's unfair. It's unjust. Let me tell you, these are fiery trials. And when we are in a fiery trial, the language of trust looks like this. God, you are sovereign. You are in charge. The language of trust sounds like this. Help me, Lord. Strengthen me. Give me wisdom. Show me what to do. And the language of trust reminds God of the promise in Romans 8.28 that says, God, you said that all things will work together for my good. I'm trusting you to take this very circumstance, this very situation, and to turn it around for my good. A few years ago, we as a city were facing a very real threat, a threat that has unfortunately materialized, and that is the Menland Main Casino. There was so much injustice. The rezoning of the residential properties was not above board. The gambling board, after hearing countless objections, granted them the gambling license. And that same gambling board disbanded a few months later due to charges of corruption. <laughs> Even efforts by another casino to stop the development was simply met with a huge, huge, multi-million rand payoff. You know, we as a church, together with other churches in the city, we sought the Lord. We prayed, we submitted objections, we even felt led by the Lord to challenge the development legally. Yet the building went up and the operation started. I remember having some articles regarding this battle with the casino on my notice board in my office. And uh, when I heard that it was going ahead, I typed up a scripture and I stuck it over the articles like this. And I did that to remind myself that God is still sovereign, that He is in control, and that that battle is in His hands. This is the scripture. It's found in Psalm chapter 10, verse 12 to 15. Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. 
Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, O oh God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evil man. Call him to account for his wickedness that would not be found out. And I believe the Lord has been doing this and that he will continue to oppose the casino and protect his people. Friends, there is so much injustice in our nation. There is so much injustice in our world. What are we to do as God's children? Well, according to 1 Peter 4 verse 19, when we suffer according to God's will, we need to keep on doing good. And we need to entrust ourselves to the God who made us because He will not fail us. So back to Exodus. After Moses killed the Egyptian, he fled to Midian. He married a lady named Zipporah and then spent the next 40 years tending the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro out in the wilderness. I believe that in this time, God was working in Moses' heart, teaching him about deep trusts and preparing him to lead his people. You know, in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, there's a very interesting little verse tucked away. This is what it says. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. How different this is to the young Moses that we have just read about. He was a humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. So my second point is about deep trust when God's plan involves us. Deep trust when God's plan involves us. I'm going to read a longer portion of Scripture. It's not going to be on the screens, so you can follow in your Bibles. It's Exodus chapter 2, uh, from verse 23 to Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Years passed, and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and He remembered His covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel, and He knew it was time to act. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him, from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, 
the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. What an incredible passage of Scripture. Let's reflect again on, on verses 9 to 10. God says, Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. We need to take note of this. Firstly, God heard the cries of his people. You may be crying out to God for help or deliverance today. He has heard your cry. He knows your pain, and he has got a plan. It may feel to you like God is tearing, like he's taking too long. But he is sovereign, and his timing is perfect. You see, in God's perfect timing, he spoke to Moses, and he commissioned him to lead the people out of Egypt. And secondly, on this text, we need to take note that God commissioned Moses. He said, I'm going to use you. Now, Moses wasn't very sure about this commission. I think we know that humorous uh, statement where Moses, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but uh, people have insinuated it, where Moses goes, here I am, Lord, send Aaron. <laughs> I think sometimes we can be like this. We can see people in need. We can be driving through a certain area of our country or a certain area of our city, and we can see people who really need the Lord, and we say, Lord, please send someone to help these people. You see, Moses felt overwhelmed, and he doubted himself. He told God about his speech impediment. He said, Lord, I can't even speak. And then he, pleased, he pleaded to God to choose someone else. He said, Lord, please, please, won't you rather find someone else for this task? There are going to be times in our lives where God's plan for someone else's deliverance is going to involve us. Times where He's going to use us for kingdom service. I would imagine that there are people here today that the Lord has been speaking to. He has been telling you to get out of the boat. There is a kingdom mission that he has placed on your heart. For some of you, it might be so big 
that it scares you. For others, it might be something small, but you are still going to need to step out of your comfort zone. I can also well imagine that there are people here today who have been serving the Lord faithfully for many years, ministering in some or other capacity for many years. And you've grown weary, and you've uh, even prayed and said, Lord, can I stop? Will you, will you send someone else to take over from me? What do we do when God commissions us? When His plan involves us at great cost to ourselves? Friends, we need to trust in the Lord who made us. And we need to say yes to His call. Have you noticed the difference in Moses after he finally said yes to Jesus or to God at that point? We see him boldly speaking to Pharaoh. We see him warn Pharaoh about the plagues if he didn't let uh, the Israelites go. We see him take the mantle of leadership and begin to interact with the elders of Israel. Even when the elders were very angry with Moses, because a time came where Pharaoh was angry with Moses, so he told the supervisors, stop giving the Hebrews straw in which to make brick. Let's make it harder for them, but don't reduce the quota of bricks. And so the people grumbled, and the elders became angry, and they confronted Moses. And yet in that, Moses stood his ground. It took incredible spiritual, emotional, and physical strength as him as a leader. And yet he, he took on that mantle. He stepped up to the plate. You see, we may doubt ourselves. We may focus on our weaknesses. We may tell God that we aren't qualified for the call. But God sees us for who we truly are. He knows what he has deposited inside of us. And he knows that when he empowers us by his Holy Spirit, we can accomplish great things. There are people in our city, there are people in our nation, there are people around this world that are crying out to God. They are crying out to God for help and for deliverance of some kind. And God is going to send us He's going to send us, his children, his family, his church into the harvest field. When he calls you, because he will, can I encourage you to say yes and then to dedicate yourself to a life of deep trust. My third point is about deep trust when the journey is different to what we imagined. Moses and the people expected a short trip. No sea or river crossings. No hardships. Just entering the promised land and living happily ever after. I mean, Moses had told them about this land flowing with milk and honey. Not a care in the world. Researchers have estimated that it should have taken 11 days to journey from Egypt to Canaan. The Israelites didn't anticipate 40 years of wandering in the desert or the need to face giants when finally entering the promised land. And Moses didn't anticipate the grumbling or the rebellion or the idol worship. Can you remember about the golden calf? He didn't anticipate that. 
As Christ followers, we need to be realistic about our journey on earth. On the one hand, we can expect great blessing. In John 10 verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life in abundance. This is his heart for us. What a promise. We can trust God to fulfill this. We can trust that in his love, we will receive great blessings, great gifts, day after day after day. We are his children. Yet at the same time, Jesus also said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's hard when he says, in this world you will have trouble. The Israelites were blessed in many ways. The Lord's presence went with them. There was a pillar of cloud by day to provide shade. And there was a pillar of fire by night to provide warmth. He gave them food, he gave them water, he gave them clothes that did not wear out. And the protection over them was incredible. There was a time where the Egyptians chased after the Israelites. And it says the angel of the Lord moved from in front of them to behind them. And the cloud of God's presence moved in between them and the Egyptian army. It actually says that with the cloud there was light on the Hebrews and darkness on the Egyptians and they couldn't come near each other throughout the night what an incredible way that God protected his people and just like the Israelites God will provide for us and he will protect us we are his children we are called by his name but our journey on earth is bound to have some unexpected turns some hardships that will be very difficult to process just ask someone who has lost a loved one or someone who is struggling with a chronic illness or someone who has been through a relationship breakup. It would be much easier if life was simple. You go to school, then you study for a profession, you get a job, you get married, you have a few children, you retire at 60, you relax with abundant provision and good health until 90 where you go peacefully in your sleep to be with the Lord. <laughs> sure. But life is not that simple. Even David in Psalm 23 spoke about valleys and he spoke about our need for a shepherd. So once again, we are confronted with the aspect of trust. Trusting God on this journey that has unexpected twists and turns. When our journey on earth turns out different to what we imagined, we can despair or we can trust the Lord. We can fight or we can yield to God. We can take matters into our own hands or we can allow the potter to make something beautiful with our lives. I would like to end by highlighting what Moses did as he led the Israelites on a journey that was far longer and far more difficult than anything he had imagined. Moses would spend time with the Lord in the tent of meeting. And the Bible tells us in Exodus 33 verse 11 that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. 
Tremendous. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Listen to how the Lord reassured Moses on a day when he was discouraged. It's found in Exodus 33, reading from verses 13 to 17. Moses said, If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. What a prayer. I think that's a prayer that each one of us can pray. Heartfelt prayer, praying that would be a beautiful thing to do. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. Friends, we serve a wonderful God. He is kind, He is gracious, He is personal, He knows you by name. 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 And when we face fiery trials, when our journey is different to what we imagined, we can spend time with the Lord like Moses did. We can come apart. We can spend time with the Lord. We can speak to Him like Moses did, face to face. We have a personal God. He loves to speak to us. When we quiet and we say, Lord, speak to us, he, he speaks to us. And we can ask Jesus for his presence to go with us. We never, ever have to be alone. He will never fail us. He will never leave us or forsake us. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for letting us know that if we are suffering according to your will, we must keep on doing what is right. And we must trust ourselves to you, the God who made us, for you will never fail us. Thank you that you are the potter and we are the clay, and that our lives are safe in your hands. And thank you for the example of Moses, of how you helped him to trust you deeply in the face of injustice, of how you helped him to trust you deeply when your plan involved him, of how you helped him to trust you deeply when the journey turned out different to what he imagined. Lord, we entrust ourselves to you afresh this morning. We entrust ourselves afresh to you, Lord. We say, Lord, we, we trust you with our lives. Our hearts, Lord, are encouraged because we know that you are good. We know that you know our name, and we know that you will never fail us. Lord, may your will be done. May your kingdom come, and may you be glorified in everything we say and do all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.